Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. See ham on the track. You know how we do it, man. Oh, boy, C-H-P-C.
Welcome to the Press Box and the Tailgate Crew. My name is Jermaine. The main event is in the building. The Press Box is on fire right now because we got rivalry Saturday. We got we got Judgment Saturday upon us today. A lot of big games coming up within the next couple of weeks. I mean, this week you got, you got some big rivalry games. Like, um, I mean, I, I, I'm so excited to talk about it. You got just Florida, Georgia, Baylor, Texas, Nebraska, Wisconsin, uh, Auburn, Ole Miss. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. Clemson, Florida State tonight. I mean, Border War, Kentucky, Missouri. I mean, there's so much going on that, I mean, I'm just ready. I'm ready to talk about it. I'm ready, I'm ready to get it going. Ready. I'm ready to get it going. Get it going. But um, first off, we're gonna we're gonna get into the daily devotional. We're gonna I'm gonna calm down a little bit, you know, get into my daily devotional, then come back. We're gonna get crunched again. So uh, y'all just y'all just hang in there with me for a few minutes while I wrestle with the motions of of the week and of and of the day. So uh, let, let's get into it. Our daily devotional comes from our friends at In Touch Ministries. Um, this one's from Second Corinthians chapter eight, verses one through fifteen. Now, brethren, we wish to make you known to known the grace of God which has been given to the churches of Macedonia. That in greater deal of affliction, their abundance of joy and their deep poverty overflowed in the wealth of our, their liberty. Liberality, sorry. For I testify that according to our ability and beyond their ability, they gave their own accord begging us with much urging for the part for the favor of participation in the support of, of the saints. And this, not as we had expected, but they, they first gave themselves to the Lord and to us by the will of God. So we urged Titus that as he had previously made a beginning, so he would also complete in you this gracious work as well. But that just as you abound in everything, in balance and utterance and knowledge and in all earnestness and in the love we inspired in you, see that you abound in this gracious work also. I am not speaking this as a command, but as proven through the earnestness of others, the sincerity of your love too. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that through his poverty, might become rich. I give my opinion in this matter. For this is to your advantage. Who were who were the first to begin a year ago, not only to do this, but also to desire to do it? But now finish it, by finish doing it also. So that just as there was the, the readiness to desire it, there's also, there may be also the comfort completion of it by your ability for if the readiness is present it is acceptable according to what a person has not according to what a person does not have for this not for this is not to ease the of the, the I'm sorry for this is not for the ease of others and for your affliction but by way of equality at this present time your abundance being a supply for their need, 
so that their abundance also become a supply for your need, that there may be quality. As it is written, who gathered much did not have too much, and he who gathered little had no lack. Hmm. This this getting good here. So, <clears throat> excuse me. When we hear a need, we we may desire to give, but then our bank account convinces us that doing so is impossible. Although we realize that generosity should characterize believers, sometimes it, it seems the only way to be generous is to be wealthy. The Christians in Macedonia proved that that. That that is not the case. Using them as a model of generosity, Paul motivated the Corinthians to follow through on their original commitment to support the church in Jerusalem. Through the example of the Macedonian churches in today's reading, we see what characterizes a generous spirit. A generous person is sensitive to the needs of others. Although the Macedonian believers were suffering from affliction, their own troubles did not didn't prevent them from feeling compassion for the needs of fellow Christians. A generous spirit sees needs as opportunities. Far from dreading need, they actually begged Paul to let them to help support the saints in Jerusalem. Liberality flows from a life surrendered to God. Before offering their gifts, these believers first gave themselves to the Lord in obedience to his will. Generosity is not an emotion, but a decision. The Corinthian church also was also moved to contribute. But they may have discovered what we often do, that readiness to desire generosity is not the same as completion of it. Hmm. Let me go back and read that again. Generosity is not an emotion, but a decision. The Corinthian church was also moved to contribute. But they may not they may have discovered what we often do. The readiness to desire generosity is not the same as completion of it. Readiness and completion. Ha <laughs> boy. A generous spirit has nothing to do with how much money we have, but rather how much the Lord, how much of us the Lord has. When we are fully surrendered to Him, He provides the grace. He provides the grace that we need to share whatever we have, whether time, treasure, or talent. Let me let me go back and read this last point again. When we are fully surrendered to him, he provides the grace we need to share whatever we have, whether time, treasure, talent. When you can do all those things, give your time, you can give your give your treasure, give your talent to someone, and you spread it. You spread the gospel. Kind of like what Paul does. Kind of like what Paul does. He spreads the gospel. Kind of like the disciples. Kind of like kind of like John who 
who want to spread the, the, the word of Jesus. When you can spread love, when you can spread charity, when you can spread God has blessed you with a talent the way he's blessed everybody with, everything becomes null and void. Everything becomes paramount. Everything becomes one. But if you're doing it in the right way, the Lord will bless you in ways that you can never imagine. I mean, if you remember the old the old Sunday school hymn, Blessed Assurance, this is what this is. When you give up yourself, you give up the Lord. When you have faith in something and you have faith in him, he will repay your faith, whether it's a monetary, whether it's a monetary issue, whether it's in a blessing, or whether it's something that you've desired, a child, a house, a car. Some sort of amenity that you that you wanted to have in your life. It's all about not what you can do for yourself, but what you can do for others. Dude, that's a little deep. That's a little food for thought for you too. So take it how you will. We're gonna take a quick station break. We'll be right back. We're gonna jump into some. We're gonna jump into some college football, y'all.
To the press box and the tailgate crew. My name is Jermaine. The main event is in the building. Let's get out to the nitty gritty right now. Rivalry Saturday is upon us. Well, part one of Rivalry Sunday, Rivalry Saturday, I should say, not Sunday, Saturday. Uh, I don't even watch the Sunday game enough to even know what the hell is going on in terms of rivalries in, in the NFL, except for the Bears. And I don't really care for them too much right now because they're starting to suck. But Anyway, let, let's let's get back into this. You know, we we're talking about some big games today, some games that that really just are so much fun to to think about and to watch today. Um, you know, this week ten is is, is it's fine, it's flying by. I mean, like we're on the cusp of November, man, and but. I would be remiss if I didn't if I didn't talk about some of these rivalry games today. Georgia, Florida at three thirty. Michigan, Michigan State at noon. You know, a budding rivalry between Oklahoma State and West Virginia. Let let's start there. Oklahoma State, West Virginia. West Virginia ranked ten in the country, undefeated. Undefeated, great defense, great offense. You know, Oklahoma State doing what they typically do. They're five and two, but in some sort of way, it's a, it's a almost dare I say disappointing five and two. I mean, I guess because the early loss to Central Michigan and then and then the beatdown that they took at, at Baylor, I. It kind of seems like it was. It's a bit of a letdown season for Oklahoma State. It's almost as if, I mean, you you can't be disappointed with a five and two team, even though you're unranked. I mean, there's there's no other way around it. But we look at West Virginia and we look at at the troubles that they've had in the past few years offensively. They were anemic. I mean, they were. They weren't as good offensively as they were under Geno Smith or as they were with Pat White and Steve Slayton there. I mean, this is this is a different club now. You know, Clint Trickett did a great job being that transitional quarterback for two years. 
And now you have a guy like Skylar Howard who is just a different player. He's a scrapper. I mean, he's not he, he doesn't look like a classical quarterback to me. What he reminds me of, he just reminds me of a guy who just wins. And when you have a guy like that on your squad at, at any of your any of those positions, those big positions like like a linebacker, like a safety, a corner, quarterback, running back, or receiver, some you know somewhere in, you know anywhere on the field where they play, you have a guy like that on your team. They're born leaders. That's what Skylar Howard is. Like he's not blessed with a big arm. He's not blessed with 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 quick feet, but he'll get out. He'll run. He'll get he'll get you first downs with his feet. He'll throw he throws a nice intermediate ball. He can get the ball downfield. And then you have running backs. Then you have a couple running backs there. And you also have a couple receivers who are really good receivers. But the bell cow for West Virginia is their defense. Whereas you look at the op- on the other side of the ball, and you look at Oklahoma State. You look at what Oklahoma State has: the Mason Rudolphs, the Washingtons, a um, couple running backs that can play there. But and that's their calling card is the offense. But the defense, you haven't seen a really good Oklahoma State defense really since 2011. That last year under Bill Young, that that really good year under Bill Young, where they won, where they won the Fiesta Bowl, where they won uh, twelve games that year. I mean, you just didn't you didn't see you didn't see some of the things that they did this year as opposed to last year. This is homecoming for for Oklahoma State today, big time homecoming matchup. You know. You bring in number ten West Virginia for homecoming. I mean, that just tells you right there the ton of confidence that Oklahoma State has. That tells you what they think of West Virginia. West Virginia should they should be. I I know this is a family show, but you know, in in words of my coach of of, a, of an old head coach, like it's things like that that should piss you off. Like, I mean, it really should. I mean, they bring you in for home when you're undefeated and you you feel like, you know, that, that's just disrespectful because they feel like you're an easy win. <clears throat> but I'll tell you like this. Oklahoma State is in for, for a rude awakening, especially if that offense is going, especially if the defense is going. Because I'll, I'll say this. West Virginia, for the first time, looks like a complete team under under Dana Hogerson. I mean, they really do look like a complete team. They look like they can, if they can get past this, and we do. I do know that they have some some difficult games left on the schedule, but if they can get past this this run here, past this game, and actually get a win. I think this sets them up to run the table. I think that they could possibly run the table. And I say that with with confidence because I mean we we're looking at we're looking at 
a West Virginia team that doesn't give up many points. They don't give up many points. They don't. <coughs> excuse me. They don't give up points. I mean, you know, you look at their schedule, and if they can get past this, I mean, they've still got they've still got a gauntlet left to go go past. You know, they they passed the test against TCU, winning by a couple touchdowns. This week is Oklahoma State at Oklahoma State. You know, you don't know what kind of Texas team you're going to have. You don't know which Oklahoma team is going to show up. But if that Oklahoma team showed up from last week at home against this West Virginia team, this West Virginia team is in trouble. And and I say that because of, because of this. Anytime you put up almost 900 yards of total offense, you had 46 first downs. You had you scored 60 some odd points against a team like Texas Tech. And I'm sorry to get off tangent, but we'll, we'll talk about we'll talk about that in a moment. I'll, I'll make that point in a moment. But here's here's the deal. West Virginia, they get past this. They still got five games left, and they run a they run a gauntlet pretty much. I mean, a good Kansas team that got blown out last week. That I mean, that shouldn't have got blown out, but did get blown out. I mean, they got blown out last week, and you know, <laughs> they got blown out by Oklahoma State. You know, aforementioned Oklahoma State, Kansas at home. To Oklahoma, you know, for their homecoming. So, homecoming all over the state of Oklahoma. But getting back to the Oklahoma State, this Western game is a big time game, not only for the Big Twelve because you still got a power, you still got a team in the top ten. But if other things shake out. You know, other than Baylor, Baylor, Texas, I mean, Baylor's eight. But other things shake out. You got a collision course. November 3rd, Baylor, West Virginia, in Morgantown, if everything shakes out. I don't necessarily think that Tim's going to go undefeated. Going through that gauntlet that we call the Big Twelve, but looking at looking at what we have here, I like what we see. West Virginia's gonna win this game. West Virginia's gonna win this game because they're gonna get a couple more stops than than Oklahoma State will. Oklahoma State is gonna gonna make some mistakes. Oklahoma State is gonna throw the ball over the yard. That great ball hawking secondary of West Virginia is gonna is going to take over this game. If they can tackle and take care of the running game the way that they've been taking care of it this year, they're not giving up. They're giving up a little over a little hundred, I think hundred seventy something, eighty something yards rushing a game. If they can clean that up, you know. 
because they don't give up much much in the in the passing game. If they can clean up the running game against a good, balanced, fast-paced Oklahoma State team, West Virginia's going to win this game. They're going to win this game big. But you can't count out the Cowboys. I just don't think that I don't think that they have the strength defensively that they've had. That's this. This is the only thing that that really bothers me about Oklahoma State in this game. I don't think that they can stop. I don't think they can stop the running game of West Virginia. I don't think that there's there's bolstered as they should be defensively. That's why I picked West Virginia in this game. I, I picked West Virginia to win this game by at least by at least ten, maybe two, at least ten. <coughs> <coughs> Maybe two touchdowns, but I like West Virginia in this game. I, I just love the scrappiness of the quarterback. I love, I love, I mean, I love the blue collar mentality of this team. The makeup of this team is, just has blue collar written all over it to me. That's why I like West Virginia in this game of Oklahoma State. Moving on, we talk about moving on to the Big Ten. We talk about. Some big games in the Big Ten in the twelve o'clock. The twelve o'clock window is where, is where we're at right now, and we're talking about Michigan. We're talking about Michigan State. You can throw the records out the window when you talk about this game, but when you look at this game from from a standpoint of what have you done for me lately? Hoo hoo hoo. I mean, you look at it from that standpoint, you look at Michigan, and you just wonder how many points is Michigan going to put up? You know, you put up, you put up 70 points on, you put up 77 on, on Rutgers, you, 78 on Rutgers. You put, you put up, I think you put up, you put up a lot of points. You know, you win by 40 in one game, you win by you went by two touchdowns over a good Colorado team that if they didn't lose their game, you guys were gonna, Michigan was gonna lose that Michigan was gonna lose this game. This Michigan team, they're focused, they're ready to go. Offensively, they can do anything. Defensively, you put your real peppers on the field, he's just like a Freaking! He's just like he's just like Bo Jackson and Tetmo Bowl. I mean, I said it. He, he's just like Bo Jackson and Tetmo Bowl. If you ever play with the Raiders and Tetmo and Tetmo Bowl, and you watch and you and you give the ball to to Bo, you take him up the sidelines. Nobody ain't gonna catch him. It's the same thing with Jabril Peppers defensively. This is a really good defensive team that. Don't really get credit for their defensive side of the ball. They don't really get credit for the defensive side of the ball. They don't even get credit for the offensive side of the ball. And the offense, the offense is is geared toward the run. It's geared toward being hot and it's geared toward being just just you can open it up at any time. You can open it up when you want to. And it it really makes it really makes 
no sense of how good this Michigan team is. Then you look at the Michigan State team. They start out 2-0, dominating 2-0 start. And then you reel off five straight losses. You you go from being this high-octane offense with a new quarterback post-Connor Cook for the first two games. And then it becomes anemic. You know, you have a great running back in LJ Scott, but he's not giving you're not giving him any kind of support. It is it, it, <coughs> it is sad to look at Michigan State and where they've been, where they're coming from, to now. Was there gonna be a Connor Cook hangover? I didn't think that there would be because of the way that O'Connor played in that in that Ohio State game. Now we look at we look at the defense. There's no Riley Bullock. There's no Riley Bullock. There's no there's no Salik Calhoun. You know, it, it's I mean, it's almost as if they're they're trying to find themselves and they're they're swimming with I mean they're on a boat with no paddle they're just floating out to sea. That's what that's what Michigan State reminds me of. They remind me of a team that's lost that they've lost their way they've lost their confidence they've lost some sort of they've lost some sort of part of themselves that they they haven't found yet. And that's the thing that that Michigan had done to them last year in this game. You know, Michigan was dominating this game at at Michigan Stadium last year. A resilient Michigan State team, the defense stepped up, Connor Cook stepped up, did his thing. And you lose by a block punt. This game... There won't be any block punts. There won't be there won't be a, a reason to to say, hey, you know, this is gonna happen, this is gonna happen, this is gonna happen. This is a Michigan State team that is focused and all they have to do, they see they see the finish line right in front of them. Get through this game, get through get through this game, get through the rest of your schedule in the Big Ten East. You set yourself up for a Thanksgiving weekend showdown against Ohio State for the Big Ten East Championship. You win that game. You win that game. You go into the playoffs. The winner, the, the winner of the Ohio State Michigan game this year goes into the playoffs. Probably without, if they don't win the Big Ten Championship, they'll probably still get in the playoffs. A one loss, a, a, a one loss Big Ten team may make the playoffs this year. Uh, a two-loss Big Ten team may make the playoffs this year, just because of what, just because of the schedule and the way that everything has has worked out in regards to other conferences. Is it possible that the Big Ten won't get in? It's very possible, but will a one-loss Big Ten team beat out an undefeated Big Twelve school? Will they beat out a one-loss ACC school. Will they beat out a one-loss ACC school? That's that's 
those are big questions to be asked, and we'll know that question next week in in that first playoff ranking because we look at we look at what we have right now in regards to this, in regards to Michigan. This is this is big not only for the Big Ten East race. This is also big for the playoff race because if you have, like I said, if you have an undefeated Washington who plays Utah today, 3.30 game, we'll talk about that in, in, shortly. You, you look at you look at a one-loss Ohio State team going into at home against Northwestern, and they're looking to just to just put the hammer down on somebody. We know that they are. We look at an undefeated Baylor team. We look at an undefeated Nebraska team again out of the Big Ten West. We look at. I mean, you look at a lot of these schools that we're talking about here. Can a one-loss A&M get in? Can a one-loss A&M, Texas A&M school, sneak their way back in if Clemson, Alabama, or Michigan falter? That's this is one of the big questions that we have here in the play in this playoff seating. That's why I think that this playoff should the playoff should expand a little bit. Expand the eight school expand the eight you know, eight eight games. eight teams, I'm sorry. I mean because you you've got I mean you can use those traditional four bowl games. The orange, the orange, the orange, um, rose, fiesta, and sugar, along with the peach bowl and cotton bowl. You know, you make the four traditional, the four big bowls, the rose, like I said, the rose, the orange, um, <clears throat> fiesta, and, and sugar. You make them quarterfinal games. The Peach and Cotton Bowl, you make them semifinal games, and then wherever you decide to play the national championship game at, that's where it'll be played. I think that I think that you have a, a, a chance to do that. You have a chance to expand yourself just a little bit if you wanted to go that route. <clears throat> I mean, if you look at if you look at it from that standpoint, you can you can do so many different things with the playoff system right now, the way that it is, and it, and for me. It's not a perfect scenario, but it's a good scenario, so to speak. I mean, let's think about this here. Let, let, let's really, uh, let's really, uh, I'm, I'm going to put that out here. I mean, we we talk about the playoffs. We talk about football, you know, college football, and the way that it, the way that it works out. This is. This is probably the best way to do it. Again, it's not that Michigan will win because we know that Michigan will win, but how much will Michigan win by? That's the question that you have here. And, you know, hopefully, hopefully it Oh boy! I mean, it, it, moving on. <laughs> I mean, 
three touchdowns at the most could could be could be paired up. And that that's just that that's me. I mean, three touchdowns is is could be it could be more. I mean, it, this this game could get ugly and real ugly. So I mean, I like Michigan. I like Michigan big, but it's a rivalry game. Paul Bunyan's trophy. I like Michigan big. I mean, I, I don't know any other way of saying it. I don't know any other way to put it. I just think that Michigan went big. I mean, I, I there's no other nice way of putting it. You know, the other game, the other games in the twelve o'clock hour, in the twelve o'clock window. You know, we look at Louisville, Virginia. I mean, now that we're in week 10, I can possibly talk about Heisman candidates and things of that nature. Lamar Jackson, is he is he a Heisman candidate? Now, you know, I, I was I was also remiss by saying by saying no, you know, but for me, if I if I had to if I had a vote in the Heisman in the Heisman Trophy campaign, I mean, I would look at guys like I would look at a guy like a Jake Browning from from Washington. I would look at a Lamar Jackson. I would look at I would look at a Jabril Peppers. I would look at um no Jabril Peppers, um Lamar Jackson, Jake Browning. Those would be my top three right now. Simply because of what they're doing for their teams. Um and we look at we look at what they've done this year, you know, especially especially what Lamar Jackson's done record breaking year. We look at Jake Browning, and his his standout game was the the Oregon game, but Oregon won set put up seventy. And he had eight total touchdowns in that game. So we look at that game. We look at we look at him. We look at um like I said, Jabril Peppers and you you look and see what he's done this year. Those for me are the top three for me. I mean, I, I know that other people are gonna say other other names, but you know, and maybe a Leonard Fournette you can you can throw in. I mean, after what Leonard Fournette did last week 14 rushes, 284, some touchdowns. I mean, also, you can throw in a Patrick Mahomes. I mean, 824 yards total offense. You tied the, you tied the, the NCAA record for, for, for passing yards in the game, 764. Then you add on another 80-something yards rushing. And then you look at this Texas Tech team, and we'll talk about we'll, you know what? Let's talk about this Kansas Oklahoma team, Kansas Oklahoma game, real quick. And this is what I'm gonna say about this: you have an Oklahoma State team that won last week, sixty-six to fifty-nine, almost nine hundred yards of total offense. 46 first downs, 
you had uh, you had quarterback go over 500 yards passing. You had two receivers to go over 200 yards passing. You had you had you had two receivers to go over 200 yards passing, and then you had a receiver. Then you had Joe Mixon, who had almost 400 yards of total offense himself. 200 and something yards rushing, 230 yards, 140 something yards rushing the ball. I mean, you basically had a video game. A vi- you, had, you basically had video game performances all over the freaking field from both sides. I mean, this 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 Oklahoma team. The five and two record is not indicative of what talent they have. They have on this on the squad. You lose to a really good Houston team early in the season, and then you lose again. You lose to a really good, really really good Houston team to open up the season, and then you lose to an Ohio State team, and now you've built off four consecutive wins. This this Oklahoma team, the first three weeks of the season, we questioned them. I question them no more. I look at this Oklahoma team like I look at Oklahoma State team. I mean, I I don't want to say that they're disappointing because I don't want it, to. It's not disappointing. I mean, it's a solid year. But at the same time, you expect these guys to be a one, at least one loss, not two, like they both had. I mean, you lose. I mean, you lose to a group of five conference schools. Both of you, both both teams did, and the only difference is. You lose to a to a to a group of five school that made it to a New Year's Six Bowl. That's the difference between Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. Do I like Kansas chances in this game? I like I like Oklahoma's chances. I like Kansas chances in this game as much as I like steak on the plate right now. It just ain't a winning combination for nobody because <laughs> that's going to ate up. And Kansas, whew, boy, if they don't get the breaks to go their way, bless their hearts. Uh, I, that's all I can say about that. Oklahoma will win big. Oklahoma will win big, big, big. Now, let's go to the 330 games. You know, Florida. We talk about Georgia. Cocktail, the cocktail rivalry is back and it's in full force. I don't think it's ever left. To be honest with you, but here's my thing about this rivalry as compared to most. Florida Georgia has that same feel as Oklahoma Texas. 
And hear me out in this. All people hear me out on this. When the good get when the good is good, it's really good. When it's really bad, it's really bad. This game right here, you have two relatively new coaches. Jim McElwain, his second time his second time, you know, in this game. Kirby Smart has played in this game. And I think he was like one and three in this game, playing against Florida. The question of the matter is this. Kirby Smart and with Jim McElwain, Jim McElwain has the head coaching experience, whereas Kirby Smart doesn't. Kirby Smart also has five national championships as a coordinator to his name. There's a, a Bros trophy to his name as best assistant coach in the nation. All of that doesn't matter when you're making that next step. The Georgia fans, they don't like what's going on. And honestly, I'm not a Georgia fan, but I am I am a Georgia man. I'm born in, I was born in Illinois, lived here in Georgia my whole life. I listen to a lot of Georgia fans talk about what has Georgia done for me? What has Georgia done this? What Georgia done that? Now, you look at the talent that Georgia has. Georgia should be seven and zero, six and one at the at, at most. You got a young quarterback. You got some useful receivers. You got. Three scenes on the offensive line. You've got two great running backs, three great running backs. Well, four great running backs. If you add in, if you add in Brendan Douglas and you add in the the true freshman that that just came in, you know, you look at the you look at you look at Georgia and you look and see what they've got. You look at the receivers they've got across the board with with um, Terry Godwin and uh, and Mitchell. I'm sorry, um uh, uh you know, his name his name has has uh his name is his I've lost his name in translation, but the the point I'm trying to McKenzie, I'm sorry, Isaiah McKenzie. The point I'm trying to make is is that you've got all this talent, new offense, new quarterback, quarterback's true freshman, youthful receivers. Riley Ridley, another another true freshman receiver, and then you've got some. You've got three offensive, three offensive, you know, linemen that are relatively new. They have seventeen combined starts or something like that coming into the season. You look anemic offensively, but then when you put it together, you can run the ball, you can pass the ball. But you can't do it all at the same time. I mean, you look at what they did against South Carolina and how great it was. Then you look at what they did against Tennessee. You saw how great Jacob Eason was. Jacob Eason is going to be a superstar in this league. Let's just put it that way. He's going to be a superstar. But 
until he until they ask until he actually matures a little bit, which I think he will mature. It's just a matter of time before he does mature because he 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 got so much pressure on him being that being that guy, being the guy. Playing in front of ninety three thousand, playing in front, you know, hyping him up the way that they did in the spring game. Then looking at him then looking at him this season, you know, he's four he's four and two as a starter. But you can tell there's flashes of brilliance. There's flashes of real talent with Jacob Eason. You look at the other side of the ball. You look at what Florida has a quarterback. They've got three good quarterbacks. One, oh, actually, they've got four good quarterbacks. One that they're that they're trying to develop a little. They're trying to develop for the future. And Felipe Franks, who, you know, when he changed his commitment, he actually, you know, changed the offenses a little bit. So. Yeah, he's got a he's he's having a little bit of a hard time transitioning from the less miles type offense to the Florida type offense, which is very complex, which is almost like a Jimbo Fisher type complex offense. Now, in saying that, we look at Luke Del Rio, we look at Austin Appleby. No, those have been the two. Primary stars this year. For those have been the two primary starters for Florida this year. Neither have particularly played awful, but neither has particularly played well. You couple that with a pretty stout defense, a good defense against the run, an okay defense against the pass. You couple that with with what you have here. This is a good this is gonna be a good matchup for Georgia in the passing game. They can they can throw the deep balls they if they wanted to. They can I mean this is tailor made for a for Georgia. Where they can actually where Georgia can actually make waves a little bit and do the things they want to do, offensively, defensively. I mean, this tailor made for for Georgia game a scrap. This tailor made for Georgia. This is also tailor made for Florida. Florida's a scrapping team too. Georgia's got a good defense. Yeah, there's a little bit, there's, there's a little small holes here and there that they have they have to change. They offensively. They just got to find an identity. They got to find an identity and stick with it. If they're going to run the ball, they need to run the ball. If they're going to pass the ball, they need to pass the ball. If they want to be balanced 50-50, then you have to show balance throughout the game. You can't just go with what's working and then stop, throw the ball, and then try to go back. Because not only do you throw the game off, the flow of the game off, but you throw yourself off. It's just that simple. It's, it's it's simple things that Florida's getting that Georgia's getting wrong, especially in the Vanderbilt game. 
there is no way that I'm going to run Isaiah McKenzie on a sweep to get two yards when you have a guy like Nick Chubb, you have a guy like Sonny Michelle who can run between the tackles, they can give you speed. Now, I can under, I understand the thought process behind giving Isaiah McKenzie the ball because He's got speed. He can beat. The, he can. He can make the perimeter really quick. But when you run him to the short side, and you see all, you see the flow is going to the short side. Instead of you running him outside to the field side, you know you make yourself look bad. So two costly losses in, in conference. Now, if they can beat Florida. This makes, I mean, this is a must-win game for Florida, period. Because of this, because of what we have on November 19th. This is a must-win for Florida in, in this regard. If they don't score, if they don't win this game, this blows the ACC East into total chaos. And it's the same thing with next week and November nineteenth. We look at we look at those two games, okay? Alabama, LSU, LSU, Florida. We look at those two games from this standpoint. LSU wins one of those two games. It it's gonna throw the SEC if. If LSU wins that game next week, it blows the SEC West wide open. If Florida wins, if LSU beats Florida on November 19th, it's going to throw the entire SEC into chaos. And then you look at you look at the possibility of a one or a two loss ACC school possibly making the playoffs or possibly getting left out because of a really good because a really good Washington team out of the Pac-12, a really good Clemson team that's going to be undefeated, and a really good Big Ten team that's going to be undefeated. Baylor does what they keep doing, what they've been doing. They'll make they'll make the playoffs. Do I think West Virginia will make it if they if they beat Baylor and they run the table? It's gonna be hard to say. It's gonna be hard to say. That's the questions that we have with Florida right now. That's the questions that we have across the landscape. When we look at Florida, we look at Georgia. This is a must win for Florida because of what they've got coming up in the next few weeks and what what they have coming up in the next few weeks. So must win game because they're already behind the eight ball. They have a game in hand. So, and they have a loss. They have a loss in conference as well, with you know against Tennessee. So, again, must win game for Florida, even though they have a game in hand. So I saw a must win game for Georgia. 
Because if you beat Florida, everybody has at least two losses in conference in the SEC East. So again, this is this is so important. Even though Florida has a game in hand, that that this is that that's how this is how important this game is. I like Florida in this game because I like the defense. I like the steady quarterback play. I like the running backs. I like I like the receivers that I like the receivers that they have at, at Florida. I'm picking Florida in this game, and this is probably going to be the closest of all the games that I'll pick today because you don't know what you're going to get from either one of these from either one of these teams. Are you going to get the Jekyll and Hyde type type deal from? From from Florida, are you going to get? I'm sorry, from Georgia, are you going to get good quarterback play? Good positive quarterback play from from Florida with Appleby and and Del Rio. I mean, there's so many questions to be asked. I'm ready to see this game. I'm ready to see what's going to happen in this game. I mean, it's going to be fun to watch. It's going to be a really fun game to watch. But I like Florida. I think Florida can win. And they'll win by a field goal. They got a better kicker. They got a better special teams. I, I just I, I like Florida in this game more so than I like Georgia. And, and, and I hate to say that, but, you know, good friend of mine, Brandon Todd, who is also my, my classmate, you know, Florida, big up to also, you know, got some Georgia fans that are probably listening to this show as well. Uh, <laughs> Bull and Poochie, but who's down in Jacksonville right now? But I'm I'm not gonna lie. I, I drank the Kool Aid a little bit because I thought that hey, Georgia could <laughs> Georgia could shock the world with a first year head coach. Jim Tanya, because Jim Tanya's got that got that reputation of being a great offensive coordinator, which he is. But he's he's outsmarting himself somewhat at times. So I mean that's that's the that's the bad that's the point that we have, and but I I really think that everything should everything should should be okay. At Georgia, once once they get past the initial shock of everything, I mean, this is our first year head coach. He'll get it right next year. He'll get it right the year after that. He'll get it right the year after that. You know, a national championship is is about in their future. With the recruits that they have coming in, with the with the with the players they have right now, this is two talented of a team. Mark Rick didn't leave that cupboard unbared at Georgia. Neither did. They will Muschamp at Florida. So, you know, we're looking at two teams at Florida in this game. I like I, I like the special teams there at Florida more so than I do at Georgia. Um, everything else is a wash. Quarterbacks is a wash. Running backs, you know, I would give I would give that that edge to Georgia. Receivers, I would give the edge to Florida. Even though that that's that's probably more so of a wash as well. Defense, I would give that to Florida. 
So, I mean, like you look at you look at it from that standpoint. You know, Florida's got a lot, a little bit, a couple more positives than they do than Georgia. So that's why I'm picking Florida in this game. It's going to be a really good close game. I do believe. Um, I like Florida in this game by by a field goal. I that, that's just the bottom line. I like them by a field goal. We're going to take a quick station break. We'll be we're going to take a quick station break. We'll be right back. Talk some talk about some uh, Washington. Washington, Utah, which is a big game out in the, out west in the Pac-12. Also, some also uh, Baylor, Baylor, Texas, uh, Auburn, Ole Miss, big big uh, top fifteen matchup, seven o'clock game in the Big Ten. Um, also, some also another uh, Clemson, Florida State. So y'all stay tuned, man. We'll be right back. Gab your vocab, I only ignore Be sleeping on your rhymes till I start to snore 
You can't awake me or even make me fear your son Cause you can't do me none So think about it if you're trying to go When you want to step to me, I think you should know that The name is Big Daddy, you know, as in your father So when you hear a death rhyme, believe that I'm the author I grab the mic and make them see these evaporate. The party people say, damn, that rapper's great. The creator, conductor of poetry, etc., etc. It ain't easy being me. I speak clearly so you can understand. Put words together like letter, man. Now that's dictation. Proceeding to my innovation. Not like the other MCs that are an imitation or an animation. A cartoon to me. But when I'm finished, I'm sure that you are soon to see reality. My secret technique because I always speak with mentality. I put my title in your face. Yeah, you the face, then if you try to come get it, yo, I'ma show you who's with it. So if you know, like I know, instead of messing around, play like Roy Rogers and slow down. Give yourself a break, or someone else will take your title. Namely me, because I'm homicidal. That means murder. Your son might have heard another MC. To try to get with me, I'll just break them and make them and rake them and take them and mold them and make them hold up the peace sign. Also, I'm late. Roll tide, roll tide, roll tide, roll tide, hey, I'm so 
Tailgate crew, my name is Jermaine. The main event is in the building. You know, let's jump back in. Let's jump back into some college football predictions. You know, Baylor Texas is one of those games that you just you have fun because you want to see it. You want to see a good game, and Baylor is Baylor 
post Art Browse six and zero under uh, interim coach Jim Grove, who's just taking taking this team, made them accountable, and maybe that's maybe this is what Baylor needs is a is a coach that that that, that preaches accountability, and with Jim Grove. You know, is this an audition to get that job, or, or what? I mean, like this is this is a, a rather odd situation for a guy like Jim Grove, you know, to come in and a guy a guy like Jim Grove to come in and. I'm sorry, uh, I got distracted by the uh, by a Man United game, and by the time he was just just almost scored just a spectacular scissor kick goal. But um, getting back getting back on on the uh, on, on subject, um, you know, this is a weird thing for Jim Grope to be a part of. Um, you know, more conventional stops that he's had like at Ohio. You know where he was. You know where he was. He was a really good coach, and then, you know, he leaves Ohio to come to, to come to Wake Forest, and then you know he retires as a head coach at Wake Forest, and and um, you know now that he's back in the coaching. Is this, you know, I wonder if this is what he really wants, if he wants to keep going as as head coach for Baylor, at Baylor full-time. I think that this, I think, honestly, this, this, this could really be a good job for him to have because you look at the makeup of Baylor, the academic, where the two stops that he's come from, the academic requirements, the academic, you know, um, spectrum, so to speak, that you have to undertake both at Ohio and at Wake Forest. You come to Baylor, it's the exact same thing, you know, where the focus is on athletics. But you also have strong athletic with focuses on academics, but you also have a strong athletic programs within the conferences that they're in. So when you look at it from that standpoint, this is a tailor-made job for Jim Grove because he he knows how to recruit. He knows how to recruit those areas. He knows how to recruit those type of players. He's done it before. This is what makes Baylor so different from from the Texases, the Texas A and M's, the the SM, uh, you know the Rice Rice SMU's. I mean, they're right there with them in terms of in regards to to academic standards, but. It seems like Baylor gets the better athletes because when you get those kind of athletes, you know, you you tend to 
want to be better than than what you are, you know, academically. You want to be eligible to do anything you want to do. So that this is what makes Baylor such a unique school, what makes Baylor such a unique opportunity. You know, look at Texas. Texas is the same way. Even though Texas is a is a is a public is a public school as opposed to Baylor, which is a private school. Texas has some some really some really stringent um policies in terms of admissions as well. So, you know, you're looking at two really good programs here, story programs, especially at Texas. Texas, for me, for them to get back on top to become that that quote unquote flagship school again in the state of Texas. Because let let's face it, they're not they're not the number one football school in Texas right now. They're not. You know if you look at if you look at Texas right now, I would put NM one, I would put um, I'll put Texas and M one. I'll put TCU two. I put Baylor three. I'd put Houston four, and I would make Texas five, just because of what you may have. I mean, just because of all the recruits that you're getting, you're not getting results on the field. This is a great, great team, a great young team. A great young team, and May United just hit the post, by the way, but they have a great young team. But the defense is not helping them at all. The offense is doing is doing everything they can to win the ball game, but they don't have any help defensively. Last week was a prime example of what could have happened last week. You know, they should have won that game last week. But when you don't have confidence, you know they should have they should have beat Iowa State last week. Well, they beat Iowa State last week. They should have beat Oklahoma the week before. And you look at what I'm sorry they they lost to K State last week, but they they had chances to win that game at K State. They had chances to win at Oklahoma. They had chances to win you know, at River Shootout. This is a this is a Texas team that, to be quite honest with you, has a chance to be great. The one thing that I wish that they would leave Charlie Strong alone, because we look at what Charlie Strong brings to the table. He's brought accountability. He's brought a toughness back. He's brought he's brought a bit of a swagger back. I mean, he 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 epitomizes what this team is. But you have people that are on the Red McCollum's bandwagon, they're on the trustees bandwagon, that say, Hey, he may not even last the season, he might do this, he may not do that. Unfair, unjust. But Put it this way, if Texas gets rid of them, who the hell are you going to go get to replace them? 
You can't go get Tom Herman because Tom Herman's just he's about to sign a new contract. Um, you can't go get Les Miles because Les Miles is interested. I mean, he'll probably end up at Purdue. Um, you know, he or PJ Fleck is going to end up at Purdue. So, what? Who do you have left? I mean, do you go after? Do you, is this the time where you go after a major Apple White? Is this the time where you go after? Uh, um, we go after a guy like Gus on. Is this the time where you? I mean, it's it's a weird thing. Like, what do you do? Like, really, what do you do? You really can't. So, you have no options. So, you either live with them, or you don't. Just that simple. But for this game, you're going to live with them because they're going to get a nail. Baylor's is too strong defensively. They're too strong, off- they're too strong offensively. They're too strong defensively. I don't think Texas can, can keep up with the speed that, that receivers have. They don't tackle. They don't tackle. They don't tackle in the run game. It's just it's just they're they're a lost team. They're they're in the same boat. They're in that same boat as as Michigan State, and that that's the way I feel about it. And I hate to say that about Texas because I love the Texas program. I think that Texas is is a great program. I think Texas has a great chance to be to be great again if you leave the coach that you have alone because what he brings to the table again, let's let's say what he brings to the table. Accountability. A will to win. I mean, you don't see it on the you don't see it on the scoreboard, but you see it in the weight room. There's no give up in this team. There's no there's no there's no fairness in this team. No matter what the deal is. I mean, it's just, it's just there's no there's no give up in this team. But I think Texas will keep it close for for the first three quarters. Well, first two and a half quarters of this game, and then. They're gonna fall apart like they like they've done against Texas, like they've done against K State, like they did against. I mean, like they did against Oklahoma State, like they did against. I mean, they did against Cal late in that game. So I mean, I just I I I don't see no other way around it. Then they got a really good Texas Tech team this week. So I mean, then they got a really good Texas Tech team next week. So I mean, I. I mean, I don't see any way back for Texas right now. I just don't. I just, I just don't. Um, uh, 
I, I don't know. I mean, I just don't see any other way around it. But, uh, I mean, moving forward, I mean, let, let's just, you know, the other 3.30 game that, that a lot of people are talking about, Washington, Utah. You don't hear many people talk about talk about Washington. Washington's number four in the nation. I saw this rise coming. You know, the running joke about Chris Peterson was when he was at Boise State was whether he was going to get 100 wins or, or 10 losses first. This guy's had almost 120 wins and I think like 15, 16 losses, 17 losses, 18 losses, something like that. This is a guy who doesn't lose. He don't. I mean, he had an eight and four record, you know, one year. And then you look at what he's done at Washington. Eight and five, eight and five. And now he's seven and oh. You know, going into probably one of the biggest games of the year for them. Going into Rice Eccles, 130 Mountain Time start, 3.30 Eastern Time start. And this is me. This is a program-defining game for Washington. Because everybody saw what Washington could possibly do coming into the season. They could unseat Oregon. They could take over the Pac-12 North. They could be a player in the Pac-12 in the national championship race again. I started seeing all these things last year as well. In the last few months of the season, of last season, when they started putting it together, when Jake Browning started and the game starts slowing down for Jake Browning. And then the running game there. And then some of the some of the freshmen started stepping up and started just just falling out. And then they win their bowl game. This is a, a Washington team again. This is a this is a program defining game for Washington State. For Washington. For Utah, this is a chance for Utah to get back in the to to control their destiny in the big in the in the I'm sorry in the Pac-12 South. I wanted to say Big 12 South for some ungodly reason. I don't know why, but this is a game for Washington. Washington holds serve. They can get themselves into that in, into that initial ranking as a four or a three or as high as a two in some in some cases. This is also. They can also hold serve in the Pac-12 North. There's, I mean, they've got a two-game lead in the Pac-12 North. They win the next two games, they'll they'll clinch the back the Pac-12 North. Whereas Utah, Utah wins. Utah sets up showdowns in the next couple of weeks that will define the Big 12, the the, the Pac-12 South as a whole, and. That's what we're that's what we're that's what we're getting at right now, you know. 
I mean, you look at you look at what Utah has right now. This this is a big big time program. Three games left. You know, you got Arizona State, you got Oregon, you got Colorado. They hold serve in the Big Twelve in the Pac Twelve South. They hold serve. They win this game. They control their destiny. Washington, although the loss would hurt them. They still hold serve because they still have games to play. They still got Washington State to play. They still got, you know, in the division, they still got Cal to play, and they still got Washington State to play. This this is for them. This is about the playoffs right now. They went out. They know they're in the playoffs. Also, they went out. They win the Pac-12 championship. Again, playoffs. So, and this puts them back on the map again. I mean, it, it puts Washington back on that national map again, and it opens up that nationwide recruiting like like they've had in the past. I mean, there's a lot. There's a lot to be said about about. The pack, the pack twelve. There's a lot to be said about about the Big Twelve. Can a Pac twelve team make it to the playoffs? I think they can. I think Washington is their best bet. I think Washington can can run the table. Boise again. Boise plays Wyoming seven o'clock game. You know seven o'clock game, and we're looking at that game as well. You got a good Wyoming team this year, five and two. You know. Craig Bowl coming over from from North Dakota State. It took him a couple of years to to get his, to put his stamp on <clears throat> on things at in Laramie. But now he, he's starting to piece it together. He's starting to put things together that need to be put together. I'm going to put Boise on upset alert tonight. Even though I think Boise will win this game, I think I think that Wyoming has the type of team, the type of defense. I've watched them. I've watched them this season. Boise has the type of Boise has the type of offense that comes and goes. They they'll hit you in spurts. They'll hit you. They'll hit you in 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 other ways. Wyoming. This is a non-stop team. This is a non-stop emotion-laden team where you look at what Wyoming has done in the last couple of years, putting it, and they finally, like I said, they're finally putting it together. You know, they win tonight. They're both eligible. They're both eligible for the first time in five years. So this is a, this is a program-defining game for Wyoming as well. I mean, Wyoming was a power in the whack at one point. Wyoming was also a power in the in the Mountain West, in the infancy of the Mountain West. So we we know what Wyoming can do. We know we know what what can be done and what and what you know you know what I mean I mean we know what what Wyoming can do. Historically, they've done it. So I mean I I love 
I love this matchup. That's why I'm putting Boise on upset alert. I think this is I think this is that this is that game that could be like I said, can be career defining for Craig Bowl. Even though he's won national championships with with North Dakota State. But this could be career defining in a way that he's revitalizing a program. And just like he did at North Dakota State. So, I mean, when you look at it from that standpoint, this is this is very important for for Wyoming to get this win. But I think Boise will win. I think I think it'll be closer than, than people expect kind of win. Um but don't be surprised if Wyoming pulls the upset. And I I'll say that again. Don't be surprised if if Oregon if Wyoming pulls an upset. So um, you know, getting back to to other games, big top fifteen matchup. You know, Camp Randall Stadium, Nebraska, Nebraska, Wisconsin. Nebraska's back on top. Love, I love this. I love Tommy Armstrong Jr. I I love Tommy Armstrong Jr. from the time I saw him when he played at Cibolo Steel to the time that he's played. Throughout the three years that he's played, now four years that he's played at Nebraska, you know, very inconsistent at, at, at some points in his career at Nebraska. Started to see flashes his sophomore year. Last year, he took a step forward. This year, he's taken a full step. He's finally got himself to where to where he's a he's a good quarterback, a good college quarterback. Now we look at Nebraska. We look at the black shirt defense. We look, <coughs> excuse me. We look at the black shirt defense, and you see that they're back. You look at the offense. You see they're back. You know, still got some questions at kicker. I mean, Gaglione been injured. Um, Taylor Lightborn, who is a true freshman opponent, taking over for the late Sam Folks. They they've got great special teams. They got great. They, they, they coming into the season, Nebraska on paper. Looked like they were the dark horse to win the to win the Big Ten West. Now, if you look at Wisconsin right now, you look at you look at Nebraska, you look at Wisconsin. Wisconsin beats Nebraska. It throws the Big Twelve, the Big Ten West into total chaos because you have you have everyone in that conference has one loss now. We'll have one conference loss. Which means that you have schools like like Minnesota jumping back in. You have Wisconsin back into the race. You know, I mean, there's a lot to be said. There's a lot to be said. You know about There's a lot to be said, and there's a lot of football yet to be played here here in in this season. And I like Nebraska's team defensively; they are sound. Offensively, they are sound. Wisconsin, they keep winning by playing musical chairs with with quarterbacks. Bart Houston hasn't played; he hasn't played particularly awful. He hasn't played particularly well either. Hornbeck. Is a, is a good quarterback who's going to is going to 
possibly get an NFL look, possibly not. Both of these two guys, because they haven't had the time to play, they look lost at times. But when you see them play, they got they have flashes of brilliance. So, I mean, do I think two quarterbacks is better than one? No. It messes with the flow of the game. But when you have a guy like Corey Clement and you have receivers that are speedy and, 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 and explosive as what Wisconsin has, with the type of arms that those two have, and they, these two guys can both throw the deep ball very well. Bart Houston probably has a bit of an advantage because he can throw the intermediate ball as well as anybody. But when you look at Bart Houston, you look at Hornbeck, and you look at you look at what they've done um, with the intermediate balls. Hornbeck looks better throwing the intermediate balls than Bart Houston. Bart Houston does overthrow a little bit of those balls, but when he does get it right, he gets it right. So this is this is one of those games where there's an ebb and there's a flow. There's going to be ebbs and flows. There's going to be ups and downs in this game all over. It's going to be a dog fight. It's going to be it's going to be a classic Big Ten matchup that people will want to watch. Three yards in a cloud of dust. I mean, Corey Clement's going to have a chance to to run over this defense. You know, Nebraska doesn't give up doesn't give up rushing yards at all. Wisconsin doesn't give up yards rushing. And Wisconsin also a pretty good and Wisconsin's also a pretty good they're also a pretty good passing team as well. I mean so I mean they're they're balanced there. They're balanced. So I mean like you look at it from you look at this game from from just a a fan's perspective. This is a game that says, Hey, if I don't watch you, I won't know what a good game is this year. And it's just funny because this is probably gonna be the best game of all the games of the night. And, and let's just be for real about this. <clears throat> I mean, we haven't talked about Georgia Clemson. We haven't. I'm sorry, Clemson, Florida State. We haven't talked about Auburn or Miss. Those two games actually have some have some meaning to them also. But this game for me is probably fundamentally sound. Probably will be <laughs> be the best game. And you know what's funny about about that as well is that. Even though we say it's probably going to be a fun game to watch, it's probably going to be a knocking down, drag them out kind of fight. I would not be surprised if these both of these teams explode for a 38-35 game. You know, both of these teams have have that kind of offense to do that, and both of these teams have the kind of defenses to just shut you down and make it a make it a 14-10 game, nine-six game, something like that. And, you know, I would give. I would give. I mean, the, I mean, if you have to go special teams route, I would give the special teams, special teams, to Nebraska in a sense, because Nebraska has a Nebraska has a pretty good kicker. They got a great punter, a great young punter, 
Wisconsin got a pretty good punter that that can pin you down, that can change field position. So this could easily become a field position a field position game as well as a not a field position game, but it can also become just just an all our defensive fight. I mean, let's just be honest about it. I mean, that's what it could turn into. Now, <coughs> I mean, as in, term, in terms of picking this game, this is a picking game, pretty much. It really is. I mean, it's a picking game. But if I had, if I had to pick this game, if I had to be a betting man, I would put my money on Wisconsin because Wisconsin's a home team. But it's so hard to. to to pick against Nebraska because when you pick against Nebraska, they find ways to win. You pick against Wisconsin, they find ways to win. I mean, you look at what they did against Ohio State. This is a good Ohio State team, a really good Ohio State team that went that came in and just, you know, and got taken to the brink, lost in overtime. So, Wisconsin, Wisconsin's that good. Nebraska is that good. Is Nebraska for real? We'll know after this game. Win or lose, we'll know after this game. If they win this game, yeah, people are gonna say they're for real. If they look, if they look the part, if they look like they're they're, they're back under Mike Riley, I'll give the, I'll give the devil his due. I will. Just that simple. Now we look at now we move on to move on to Auburn Ole Miss. Uh, Auburn's just got it going right now. Four straight wins. You know they're starting to run the ball better. Cameron Petway looked just absolutely unbelievable. Stanton Truett looked absolutely unbelievable. Sean White is is becoming the leader. He's becoming. He, he he's coming of age a little bit, and we're starting to see that because when you look at Auburn last week, 545 yards rushing, seven passing, seven passes. You go five or seven passing the ball. So you look at you look at Auburn there. You look at Ole Miss. Ole Miss has been struggling defensively. Ole Miss has also been struggling offensively in that offensive line. You give Chad Kelly time to pick you apart. The main thing about Auburn is, is that they've got a really good secondary. Trey, Trey Matthews is starting to become the Trey Matthews that, that I remember seeing at East Coweta High School. He's also starting to become the guy that that was feared when he first went to Georgia. Now, we're, we're starting to see all this, you know, at game eight. And what we gonna what we're gonna see tonight? We could possibly see a shutout. We could possibly see a a a, a shootout. We could possibly even see. We could possibly even see a an old Miss beatdown. Get beat down. I mean, this is this game has got so much in it. In so many ways. And Auburn defensively, they've been playing lights out. I mean, 
Carl Austin's been Carl Austin's been the Carl Austin of old. Montrevious Adams has been has been the 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 line eater. I mean I mean you've been seeing other guys get into that as well. So <coughs> I like Auburn in this game. I like a, <coughs> I like Auburn in this game because you look at the you look at the at the youthful receivers that they have and you look at the secondary that Ole Miss has. Ole Miss has got a great front seven, but they're questionable at best. They're questionable at best in, in, in the secondary. And we look at we look at Auburn and we see Auburn and we see a team that can possibly be the Auburn team that was of two thousand four maybe. Where they had the de- the, the devastating defense in the run game to just Road graders up front. I mean, this is a good Auburn team. Let's not get let's not get that wrong. It's a good Auburn team. I like Auburn in this game. I like Auburn in this game really close. If it comes to special teams, it's Auburn. It's to Auburn's advantage. You've got two good punters for Auburn who can who can pin you down deep. You've also got two good. You've also got a great kicker in Daniel Carlson, Carlson who. Oh, you can get him across the fifty yard line. He's gonna, you know, you get him across the fifty yard line. He's gonna make. He's gonna make kicks for you. So, I mean, let let's just put it this way. I like Auburn this game. This is gonna be closer than people think too. So, uh, Auburn by a touchdown, twenty seven twenty. I mean. Could it be? Could it be high scoring? Of course, but twenty-seven twenty. I mean, twenty-seven twenty would be would be the the optimum score that I think that they, that they would win. Um, you know, we talk about Clemson, Florida State. Clemson, Florida State is is it's, it's a weird game for me to even talk about. Um, Florida State, two conference losses. I mean, two costly conference losses. You know, they're playing spoiler right now. And the reason why they're playing spoiler is because they didn't play well. Louisville beat them to death, and and North Carolina (coughs) hit the last second field goal. Clemson Clemson has, you know, they control their own destiny. Again, just just like Washington in their game against Utah. Clemson holds serve. Clemson wins out. Clemson goes back to the playoffs. This is, this is what we're talking about here in regards to what what can Clemson do? Clemson has great has great uh, great running backs, Wayne Gallman, uh great quarterback, Sean Watson. Um, you know, Taylor Mars been been getting some been getting some playing time from Roswell High School, true freshman. Um there's so many different players right now that they're playing playing young. They're playing young players. Florida State, I love the quarterback, DeAndre Francois. Don't get me wrong. I love Francois a lot. 
Sean McGuire, when he's healthy, when Sean McGuire's healthy, Sean McGuire's a good quarterback. I mean, it's sad to see him hurt. It's sad to see him see him hobbling around. I mean, he hasn't quite from from the ankle injury. He had a second ankle surgery. I mean, so this is <clears throat> this is one of those games where this could be career defining for Deshaun Watson. Wayne Gallman, those guys. For Florida State, this could be a chance to say, hey, we ain't dead yet. You know, this is a chance to, to let people know that, hey, we're not dead yet. We still got three games left in, in, in the season. We went out. We beat you. You you lose again, which you probably won't lose again. You know, you've got a difficult Syracuse team. Who's who's finding their way? Finding their way, and next week. So for Florida State, Florida State has to win this game. They won't want any chance of getting back to the ACC championship game. For Clemson, they have to win to hold serve, control their destiny. They will be just fine. I like Clemson in this game. I like I like Clemson in this game. But I just think that the defense for Florida State is going to show something different. So, again, this is a second upset alert game for me. Clemson, Florida State. Clemson gets gets that offense going with Dalvin Cook, Travis Benjamin, those guys. The other fans squad putting the ball over the top. You've got a chance to win. You've got a chance to win this game. You got to get some defensive stops, though. Charles Kelly's got to dial up blitzes when he can. Put six, seven in the box to defend the run. Put six, seven in in the uh, you know rest six, seven to to get Deshaun Watson off his game. Deshaun Watson's a very smart kid. Let's 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 not let's not even play around with this kid. He's a really smart kid. He knows what he can do. So he knows what kind of arm he has. This is this is. This is going to be a test match between the coordinators, the offense coordinator, and the defense coordinator for both teams. Because you got Florida State's complex offense against Clemson's attack style defense, and then you got Clemson's, you know, high octane tempo offense versus Florida State's pressure field defense. This is this is the way it's going to go. It's going to be very fun to watch. Very fun to watch. I like Clemson this game. Um, <coughs> I would give it to S&M because I like their front seven more so than I like Florida State's front seven. Secondary-wise, Florida State's got questions in secondary, whereas Clemson has cleared up their secondary problem. So, that being said, Clemson will win this game, win this game by 10 points. That's all I have to say about that. Got two minutes left. Go Cubbies. No, you lost last night, down 2-1. Let's fly the W. Let's fly the W. Also, uh, congratulations to Lafayette High School, Chambers Academy, undefeated, Lafayette, Alabama. You know, you'll never see that again. Two teams, private school, public school, undefeated. Also, big congratulations to, to Tanner Glisson, True Pilot Tigers, 8-1 and one this season. 
I mean, a far cry from one and nine last year. You know, guaranteed yourself a playoff, guaranteed yourself a home playoff uh, game, whether as the region champions or whether as as a region runner up. Next week you got Cartersville at Cartersville. Let's make that the high five sports game of the week. Um, that that that's gonna be big for for not only for for Troop High School but for but for uh, Region Five Four A as a whole. Um, so I just want to say congratulations to you guys. Also, um, also um, special thank you to the admin Wendy T Rex. Everybody that's involved with the with the Live by Tennis show. Um got some big things coming up, like I said, uh yesterday in, in my live feed. So uh so just some big things happening. Um so y'all be careful, have fun, uh do everything responsibly, have a great day. Go tailgating. Yeah, man. Hey, yo, T, I think, uh, I think we can keep this one slow. Make it easy to ride to. Yeah. You know, sometimes I look around and I think, like, maybe I am out here on my own. Yeah. Gotta find something. Oh, I can't? But I can try, right? Yeah. Well, what then? You know that ain't so bad. Yeah. I told a girl I love her, you stand on your own. But you ain't gotta deal with these cameras alone. From the beginning, see, I learned how to manage my own. Became the boy and then I turned to a man on my own. The lone wolf for the pack, moving through hella crap. Down to earth, so it's only natural I hold you down. Now you the one I picture when I roam around And the summer I'm falling for you is going down Yeah, staying stuck in this season of mine And I've been shining to the point that my reason is blind Think I'm the one, now that's just something I'm reaching to find Out of control, but yo, that shit that I still been denying Yeah, the light's down, but we staying up And looking back where I started, my only way is up Waited a world, but I lived it before the weight is up And still myself the one and only that I came to trust Now that's some crazy luck yeah, let it rock, but you want some soul shit, yeah, uh, and she just keeps saying, you can't rescue me, oh nah, you can't save me, no, you know what, maybe you're right, But what you gonna do? Yeah. Yeah. I never really thought realistic Cause when it comes to my vision, man, only I can see it Said only I can reach it And I'm just praying by the time that I'm gone I'll be hearing spirits so you can hear this Yeah, well these rappers stuck on the same product Tell them forget it, ain't hard to tell that they ain't got it Simple and plain, I'ma leave this world with my name on it Knowing it's easy to hate the plane when you ain't on it 
Riding, whipping through the horizon, my time it is something better than it's ever been. They call me Wolfie from how I'm plying on hella biz. Hip hop's alive and I'm here to show you the evidence. Back to the wall where I started back in the day. I was pushing maximum effort and pulling minimum weight. Trying to show the all those around me that I can stand on my own. Now I swear I'm afraid of nothing. I'm screaming after the phone. While I'm busy pulling my fam up an animal, how I ran up the standards of how we live. It's funny they pull the cam up. The picture how I'ma get it when years I've been in my zone. And it's just how I started by killing this on my own. My word is my bond. And I'm just out on my own. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.